If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system podcast. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 188. It's cold and frosty here in the UK and Ireland, but this week we are taking you to warmer climes as the PGA Tour travels to Mexico for the WWT Championship at Mayacoba with the European Tour in the Algarve for the Portugal Masters. Barry O'Hanrahan and Paul Williams join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss this week's golf betting action. Good morning, gents. Morning, chaps. Morning, guys. Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit BeGambleAware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world-famous golf betting system website, with our in-depth betting previews, masses of tournament statistics, and our predictor models all available, completely free of charge with no paywall. On Twitter, Paul is at Golf Betting. I am at Bamford Golf. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel, where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. I'll be recording one of those shows directly after we finish this podcast. Please subscribe and like the shows on YouTube. Now, you guys as listeners power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever you call it these days. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. You leave your name and where you are in the review. This one is entitled... These fools are growing on me. Five stars. Uh, Been listening for about a year and actively investing in the light-hearted, in their light-hearted advice. Have to admit, my Euro bets are quite profitable and the PGA tips are strong. Starting to hear Bamford and his guys' references on other podcasts and radio shows. So get to subscribing before the fame sets in exclamation mark and that is from m brian 55 and he is in the us of a thank you m brian much appreciated i like it thank you very good very good radio shows already steve aren't you famous yeah you 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 were the most spotted when we went down to uh to wentworth i think that's the that's the out of control grey beard, and because <laughs> I'm six foot four, then you're not. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's like, slightly more uh, conspicuous, I guess. When, when they, when, when this, uh, when M. Brian's using the term "fools," it instantly t- takes yeah. me to Mister T. Back <laughs> in the A team, you crazy fool. <laughs> I felt a bit like that last week watching the. Uh, the Bermuda Championship, as uh, two of my guys finished one shot outside of the each-way money. So that was interesting. But I know, I've got a sneaky feeling that both Russell Knox and Graham McDowell are going to be very, very popular picks this week for the Mayakoba tournament on the PGA Tour over mm-hmm. in uh, Cancun. Well, is it? I think it's... Um, 
oh, is it near Cancun? I think it's it's on that stretch of the Mexican coast. They're, um, they're two quite compatible tracks, aren't they? Very compatible. And then, of course, you've got the RSM Classic next week, which is on Sea Island in Georgia, yeah. so another coastal. So you get this kind of coastal swing at the end of the PGA Tour. Yeah, yeah, and you get, often get players uh, popping up regularly who uh, who play well when you know any or all of those events or year after year. It's a uh, yeah, it's something you can start to draw your comparable course lines to quite nicely. So it's short hitter se- short hitter season. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of courses the short hitters can compete on in a stretch. It's actually, I mean, they must be like you know. It's supposed to be nice to have a few of them in a row rather than just dotted amongst the season so they get a chance to really kind of tighten their game in. Yeah. We hope. <laughs> At least I've that's got it the slightly theory. wrong. It's Houston, it's Houston next week and then the final week of the PGA Tour in 2021 is the RSM Classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I would have got nowhere near Lucas Herbert. Absolutely nowhere near him. He was 53rd for fairways hit, 58th for greens in regulation. And putted lights out and scrambled like a dervish. Yeah. Yes. Another European tour, Stalwart, who's quickly racked up their first PGA Tour victory, similar to Garrick, Garrick Higo, back at the Palmetto. Yeah. Well, it gets the win off the back very, very early on, doesn't it? Or early on enough not for it to be something that's uh, hindering him further down the line. Uh, yeah, he's, he, he's a good player. He, you know, he, he can win as you as you've seen, and wins over on the European Tour as well. Which um, has, yeah, what did he did he win in Dubai? In Europe, yeah, it was, it was the more recent. It's one. It's one of the desert events, wasn't it? There, there was another one. Um, I forget now off the top of my head. Stay there, and I'll tell you. Get on Wikipedia, Paul. <laughs> the thing with Herbert, well, the other thing I've noted, of course, you could now had Sun Jm. Hideki Matsuama, and you've now had Lucas Herbert, three internationals, win four of the last PGA Tour events. He's won, tw- he's won twice in Dubai. He won the Omega Dubai Desert Classic. Oh, sorry, no, there's a link, though. He won the Dubai Duty Free Irish Open. I just saw Dubai. And just, ah, yeah, it was, the, it was the Irish Open I was thinking of more recently. Yeah. But, uh, yes, it's becoming... Uh, you know, that's three wins since 2020, so... Um, so mm. Decent, uh, decent prospect. Beat Patrick Reed by a shot. Who shot that six under in those? Um, it was in. Uh, do you know it's actually a, a final round of golf that I thoroughly enjoyed because it was so different to the PJ Tour norm. People struggling for pars. It was great. Uh, people really working hard to uh, to earn their vast amounts of money. Patrick Reed was tied second with another international, Danny Lee, who uh, popped his head up from absolutely nowhere. So, yeah, interesting tournament down in Bermuda. And we do have a lot more of the same this week in the form of the... This is a mouthful, chaps. The Worldwide Technology Championship at Mayakoba. And you have to say, it's a highly... Well, it's a high-quality field. This is the best field I've ever seen at Mayakoba by by an absolute mile. So you've got a 7.2 million prize fund. I would not be surprised if worldwide technology have thrown a few um, extra quid at it as well. Because we've got Justin Thomas, the world number seven. He heads the entry list. We've got Finau, Kepka, Ansa, hometown boy. 
Tyrrell Hatton, Billy Ho, Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Reed, Matt Fitzpatrick, Wacky Neiman, Matthew Wolfe, Will Zanatoris, and defending champion Victor Hovland all playing in Mexico from within the world's top 40. You can throw in as well European challenges from Shane Lowry, Sergio Garcia, Justin Rose, Ian Poulter, Francesco Molinari, and Danny Willett. And I haven't mentioned you know, quite a few players that you raise your eyebrows at going, oh, that's good. it's a very, very strong field. I'd go as far as saying, well, I think the CJ Cup was a very strong field as well, wasn't it? That no-cut event. But for, yeah. for a non-cut event, this is definitely the best field we have seen this side of the Tour Championship in the uh, restarted season. So we've got Thomas at 14-1 to favourite. The defending champion, Victor Hovland, is an 18-1 to chance. Answer backed into 20 to 1, and Answer does fit the pattern here. Relatively short hitter, fairways and greens, man. Tony Finau at 25s. Billy Horschel at 30. I had a very close look at Horschel because he's playing some cracking golf, as we uh, witnessed at Wentworth. Has a good record here. Till Hatton also 30 to 1. Then we've got Brooks Kepka, Scotty Scheffler. And Aaron Wise at 33 to 1. Who'd have thought Scotty Scheffler, Brooks Kepka, and Aaron Wise all at the same price of 33 to 1? That shows you how well Wise has been playing recently. Uh, Patrick Reed at 35s after his second place finish last week. And then a host at 40s Shane Lowry, Will Zalatoris, Talor Gooch, Cameron Tringali, Matthew Fitzpatrick. It's 45 to 1 bar the rest. Headed up by Wolf Garcia. So, El Chameleon. Uh, the Riviera, I got it wrong, it's the Riviera Mayo section of the um, Caribbean coastline of Mexico. And it's a, it's a course we see every year. It's a Greg Norman design. It's coastal. And it's very much... Um, it's very much a resort golf course. And when I say resort, it's got a beautiful, you know, surrounded by beautiful hotels. You can see why the, um, the PJ Tour comes here. And the scoring here is low every year. 20 under for Hovland last year. Brendan Todd at 20 under. Matt Kuchar has the tournament low score record at 22 under par in 2018. Then we've got had Kazire in 2017 at 19 under. Uh, Pat Perez at 21 under in 2016. And Graham McDowell, I did mention he'd be popular. He was 18 under when he won in 2015. We've also had Hoffman. Harris English won his second ever PGA Tour victory here in 2013. He'd actually won earlier that year in South at Southwind, the uh, St. Jude Classic that year. John huh, Johnson Wagner and Cameron Beckman. Now, they those were wins for her... Wagner and Beckman when they played this around Easter time because it used to be an alternate event. I think it might have used it used to alternate, but I think it went up against the World Match Play for a few years. Yeah, quite possibly. Twenty thirteen forward, it's um, been one of these full series events as part of the new season. So English Hoffman, McDowell, Perez, Kiziah, Kuchar, Todd, and Hovland have been the defending champions since this became a full status PGA Tour event. Um, yeah, coastal, 
relatively thin fairways, but it's one of these golf courses. Uh, it is very, very similar to um, Bermuda last week, where the you've got two sets of back, uh, two sets of nine. One of the sets of nine is more inland. It's more um, tree lined. Well, that's relative because it's all palm trees. But there's a lot more um, mangroves and that kind of action going on. You then get the second island, which is far more coastal, exposed, beautiful views of the sea. Uh, and uh, if the wind is up, it can be um, a tougher test around here. The scoring will undoubtedly be dictated by the level of the wind, as we so often see on uh, coastal golf courses. And I'm just quickly getting wind finder up to see where we're at and looks to me as if we're in for a very calm tournament this week so i could see kuchar's 22 under being under threat um i think it's just going to be a scoring fest paspalum paspalum greens as well so if you're new to golf betting paspalum um, what did what have we seen recently on Paspalum? We saw the PGA Championship that was played on Paspalum Greens this year, uh, up at Kier Island. Um, this is a regular Paspalum golf course, as is the Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico Open, which they play every year, and the Corrales Championship. So you're going to see crossover between Puerto Rico, which Victor Hovland won last year and then came here and won this. So he's a double king on Paspal and Greens. Uh, you're going to see crossover definitely with Corrales, which they play in the Dominican Republic in springtime. And you might even see a bit of a crossover. They used to play uh, the CIMB Classic over in Malaysia at TPC Kuala Lumpur. That was won twice by Justin Thomas. Those were also Paspalum Greens before they changed them to Bermuda. This is all, of course, documented in my full betting preview, which, as ever, is available at Golf Betting System. Um, difficulty of the course depends on the wind, as I said earlier. But last year, um, one day, which I think, believe, was the Thursday, was blowing 25, or gusting 25 miles an hour. So the scoring was a lot higher on the Thursday. Then the wind disappeared. Even then, it was the 39th easiest of 51 courses on the tour last year. I think that difficulty rank will be closer to um, mid-40s this year because yes. there doesn't look like a lot of wind. I mean, I'm yeah. looking maximum 10, 12 miles an hour, which for these guys is nothing. Um, the fairways, I think there, there hasn't been a lot of rain here, uh, which is rare because it's clearly in the tropics. Uh, and what you tend to get is a lot of rain. And of course, it's 30, 28, 30 degrees, so it just burns away. But so it appears to have been dry for about seven to 10 days here. So I reckon we might see something very similar to what we saw. I think it was 2017 where the fairways were actually running, running a little bit, but as ever, and they certainly need to here with 30 degree heat, um, they'll be watering those greens. So the greens will be 10 on the stimp. Very, very soft greens, very receptive. So it's just going to be target goal. Always one of those courses for me, I would be highly surprised. Now, I'll get this out there and clearly you can shoot me down next week when he wins. I'd be very surprised if a Lucas Herbert sort won this, you know, errant off the tee, not high GIR and scrambles his, scrambles and puts his way to victory. Can't see that this week, especially with no wind. 
It's though, I mean, we're talking about Todd here. Uh, we're talking about Kuchar, Harris English. Um, they're all kind of similar players, similar names. Even Pat Perez, fairly high GIR when he's, his irons are working well, not long off the tee. Plotters. I think we need plotters this week, gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. Pl- makes, plotters, makes o- plotters over power. Yeah, I mean, in, a, in an event like last week where the wind picks up and, and players are missing missing greens, then short game and putting can come to the fore a bit more. But it does look like it's going to be a low scorer event this week. And uh, if you're giving yourself chances on the greens and, uh, and, and and taking those chances, then it's going to be far more about that kind of uh, precision and uh, putting performance, I expect. I mean, I'm just looking at some of the numbers from last week, Paul. You, you had Patrick Rogers, who finished in the top four last week. He hit 20 of 56 fairways. He was 74th for dry fairways hit. Um, you know, if he does that this week, he'll miss the cut because there's so much trouble off the tee. Um, he'll have wet balls. He'll probably have balls that are eaten by alligators and all manner of stuff going on. I think he got to be a bit straighter. Which tends to weed them out a little bit. Um, winning price of winners here. I mean, and you could say with Victor Hovland, the thing with Victor Hovland is he's such a fantastic driver of the golf ball. Not only is he prestigiously long, but he's prestigiously straight. So he's, he's almost like a... You could categorise him as a plotter plus. So high GIR, high fairways hit, and a bomber. He's like the perfect mix for somewhere like this. And that's what he did. He just basically hit tons and tons of fairways. Um, And I think he topped GIR. I'm just getting my sheet from last year. Yeah, 84.7% GIR last year. 61 of 72 greens. Yeah, that was just prestigious ball striking from Victor Hovland. And he was tie 13th for fairways hit. And... Eighth for driving distance. So long, straight, pounding greens got the job done. Yeah, and if you just take a few of your chances, then uh, you're gonna you're gonna be in the. So if you're long, you. so if you're long, you've got to be prestigiously straight. You've got to be high GIR, and you've just got to be a plotter. I think I think it's a plotter's court golf course where they say it's all about finding the right side of fairways for those approach shots to make the birdies. Um, yeah, um, I'm just looking at the, pre- the previous um, winning odds. Since 2010, it averages out at 71 to 1. Past eight renewals, so again, since Harris English in 2013, when it became a full PGA Tour event in the full series, 63 to 1. The shortest price winner we have had was Victor Hovland last year at 22 to 1. And I expect, you know, people say, oh, that's the quality of the field, and I can see that. As you're getting more and more elite players, you would expect more elite players to actually win the tournament. But Hovland at 22 to 1. Todd was a 110 to 1 chance, bearing in mind he'd won the outing before. Matt Kuchar was 60 to 1. Patton Kaziah, who was on a tear, not dissimilar to Aaron Wise, was a 70 to 1 chance. And Pat Perez was 125 to 1, with Graham McDowell a 33 to 1 chance in 2015. So yeah, I've had good fun with this one actually. Um, it's a, it was a bit of a, 
It was one of those one of those selection processes for me where my shortlist wasn't actually that long. Um, there were players in there. Let me mention a few that I didn't go for. Um, JJ Spawn. I think he could go well again at a big price because Spawn's had a third here in the past and he was very, very um, prestigious last week. 16th for fairways, um, 16th for fairways hit Spawn and 6th for greens in regulation. Those are the kind of numbers we want to be seeing this week. So Spawn was one that I could have gone for. Um, Graham McDowell again. Had a great week last week, McDowell. He was iron straight. I think he was second for fairways hit. Um, his greens in regulation slipped slightly on the Sunday, but I was seeing him in the top 10 for greens in regulation going into Sunday. So he's clearly got his game on the move. Russell Knox, another one that missed out on a, on a each way place for me last week by one shot. Knox's numbers were, were prestigious last week as well. Sick for fairways hit and he was tied first for greens in regulation. The, the trouble I always have with Knox is 80 to 1. And the guy hasn't had a top 10 since, I think, February. I always find Knox's price tight, extremely mm. tight. Um, but, you know, if we're looking for an architectural type of player that will do well around here, Russell Knox ticks a hell of a lot of boxes. Even Danny Lee, you know, Danny Lee, could he's had a top... It was, I think he's finished second here in the playoffs, Lee. Um, clearly played some fantastic golf last week to finish tied for second. Anything to add in terms of the course or your memories of the course, gentlemen? Or anything to um, stop my mouth from moving furiously as I take a sip of tea? No, I think I, I think you've kind of summarised it quite right. I think it is more about... Um, Accuracy, and you don't often get that on the PGA Tour. It's uh, it's often more about just uh, wanton bombing, but um, yeah, a bit a bit more about accuracy, a bit more about plotting your way around this week. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't think we should underestimate the the Paspalum Greens or Paspalum Greens either. Paspalum. Yeah, I think those players who've uh, uh, who've performed well on this kind of surface in the past um, should be worth a look. And you you put a handy list of players who've won. Um, on the PGA Tour in the past, on the, on I was just going to go green. through them, Paul. You've led yeah, me I think, into I think it. it it's, it's, it's worth it because some players um, respond to it. You know, Hovland is a case in point, and uh, yeah, you know, he's the kind of guy either side when he comes over and plays in Europe as well, or um, you know, in in these future PGA Tour events, is one that we should certainly be shortlisting because of the surface at the point at which he plays those uh, those courses in the future. But yes, there the, are, the list. There are undoubted Paspal and um, positive players, aren't there? I mean, two. This is since two thousand eight, since I kept my detailed records. Hovland, GMAC, Ryan Moore, Pat Perez, and Justin Thomas have won two PGA Tour um, events on this putting surface, and then single wins for Joel Damon, Tony Finau, Bryce Garnett. Now Garnett, perfect kind of player for this. Low scoring coastal, throw in Bryce Garner, Brian Gay, Emiliano Grio, who, if he wasn't such a choker, would be a perfect bet this week. Charlie Hoffman, John Huh, Patton Kazire, Matt Kuchar, Ian Poulter. His, his win came at the WGC in China on Pass Barlam, believe it or not, Ian Poulter. Hudson Swafford, 
He's won at Corrales. Terrible record here for some reason, though, which for Swafford, you'd have thought that this is his kind of course. So there's something about it he doesn't seemingly like, yeah, whether yeah. it's shot shape yeah, or... He might, might turn that round at some point, I guess. Yeah, he's the sort. Brendan Todd, of course, and Martin Trainer of all people, who won the Puerto Rico Open a couple of years ago. So they are all Paspalum winners on the PJ Tour. So, yeah, there's different angles, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you you got some um, courses over on the European Tour as well, which um, may correlate. And you know, some of the co- you tend to get this kind of um, perspiral surface on uh, coastal courses, don't you? So, um, looking at events like Mauritius, you mentioned the 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 events played at uh, Kuala Lumpur. There were some older European Tour events played at Kuala Lumpur as well. You're also um, gonna throw. You're gonna throw up Saudi Arabia, Saudi, aren't you? Yeah, because of Graham McDowell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and that correlates again with the list that you just ran through a second ago, doesn't it? So, um, look, there are a few to uh, consider. Some of the China tracks, as you as you mentioned, uh, some of the ones used historically for the China Open were um, on, on Paspalum as well. So, uh, go on, then, yeah. boys. Tell the listeners that you've both gone for Graham McDowell this week. Well, Steve, seeing as you've ditched him after last week's... Um, I don't think he did a great deal wrong, did he? I, Sunday, no. I, we were all on him last week. So, um, you know, seeing what was a semi-contending position, I guess, going into the final day, and then it was just par after par after par after par, wasn't it? Right Which in those conditions isn't the worst of performances. There were people shooting six and seven over. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah they were, decent, yeah. Yeah, there were. I mean, there were also um, people shooting six, seven, eight. What, what did uh, Stallings <laughs> yeah. shoot? Nine under? Eight? I know, that's an incredible round for Stallings, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, if, you know, for me, I, I, think, I think he's worth sticking with. He won here in 2015. Um, two wins on the surface, as you mentioned a second ago. Also won that Saudi International last year, which um, over on the European Tour, which is always in decent company. They always um, put their hands in their pockets and uh, get over a decent field. So he did be a um, a very strong Euro- European tour field or field for the European tour anyway. Um, yeah, twelve last week in the end, which from our perspective was just outside of the um, outside of the paying places. So uh, a bit of disappointment there. But what was he last week? Eighty. I, I got early hundred to one with fewer places last week. Hundred. I, I, to I one. took eighty at the eights. Yeah. 88, so yes, yeah, right, I think yeah. you managed to get 100 as short as, yeah, short yeah, number, uh, short number. 150 of this week um, with yeah. some of the extended places out there, so, you know, nearly double the Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Um, that was actually his best finish last week since March, um, and second for driving accuracy, as you say, fourth for driving accuracy the week before, or the, or the event before, rather, at the Shriners, and um, it kind of suggests he sorted something out with the driver, which was kind of a bit uncharacteristically poor over the summer. There was some, some iffy driving performance weeks and so, you know, a number of missed cuts as well. So would kind of suggest that he's found something, he's been working on something and uh, something's clicked with the long game. And uh, on, a, on an event like this where I think a bit of accuracy is going to be rewarded, um, yeah, I was quite happy to give him another chance this week. Hopefully he doesn't just plod through it and, uh, and par his way to a missed cut because... You do need to make, well, what, four, five, six birders a day, really, this week to to be in the mix. But uh, You've got to be shooting yeah. level 65s, haven't you? Uh, or, yeah. Yes, level 65s, I reckon, to get to get the job done, which would be, what, 22 under, 24 under? 24, I think it's going to be something yeah. like that. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be yeah, in in the in the twenty under, maybe a little bit deeper. Tw- yeah, sorry, I'm doing my maths is terrible. That's twenty under, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, twenty but, under. So, but yes, I think that's the kind of kind of number. So uh, so yeah, he, he's the only player I've backed so far this week, um, McDowell, um, and uh, yeah, I think he's level sixty six is for twenty under. That'd be right, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's part seventy. Yeah, oh, part no, seventy one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there are going to be people throwing in 62, 61. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Day-to-day, peaks and troughs. Yeah. But if you're shooting 71s and 73s in you know, in a in one round, you're going to have... You, I'd be surprised if you could get close to actually the top five, top seven. I think you've got to have a consistent... You know, 68s, 67s are going to have to be your weakest, weakest round. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. going to be that low. Got to keep chipping away. Why did you drop McDowell then? Is because you can't see him putting four of those rounds together, Steve. The price is bigger. The performance last week is arguably pretty much what you want. I mean, it's almost a successful punt. He's one shot outside the places. I mean, that's a good week, but for the fact you, we didn't get it, you didn't get a return. He was very accurate. So he was fifth for total accuracy last week, which is exactly what I want. I just didn't see enough greens hit. He was he, he ranked what was it, top 20 greens in regulation. The, the, the pattern I see here of winners are people that are literally top five, top seven, top 10 greens in regulation the week before. I mean, I'm splitting hairs here. But in the end, I went for James Hull at that kind of price point. Who was a 200 to one chance for me, James Hull. And he played at the Zozo. Uh, he finished 15th, so similar kind of position to GMAT. He was 7th for greens in regulation. Uh, Harm was, what, ninth going into the final round. And that Jim, you know, I, I just find with James Harm, you, you see with him, when he's, when he's peppering fairways and greens, and you know with James Hahn, he has got a top three, top five in him. And, you know, he's a two-time winner on the PGA Tour. Two big tournaments as well, Riviera and Quail Hollow. I just took him. I just I just took Hahn at 200 to 1. I think he's the kind of sneaky... I always remember James Hahn doing well in the desert. And those desert tournaments are always that 20, 22 under. I can remember him... Con- Way, way back at Humana Challenge, finishing top three. He always does well at the Shriners. Always does, plays well in Phoenix, which is always a bit higher scoring. But he's that kind of, when he's on form, and we know with James Arne, he can have months when he's in horrible form. But when he's in that kind of arrow straight off the tee and peppering greens, he will start to make some putts and he will start to pile up birdies. And with the calm conditions this week, I would just I just favoured Hahn personally over G Mac. So clearly Hahn will miss the cut and G Mac will win, but that, you know, that's the plan. Our, we all make our decisions, <laughs> don't we? We all make our decisions. But yes, I, I knew I knew as I said, I knew that McDowell's gonna be hugely popular and for right reasons. Um Knox will be popular, Bryce Garnett's gonna be popular, all these kind of guys, and I don't put anyone off backing them because they're absolutely bob on for the golf course we're playing as well. Yeah, it's an interesting one, Han, isn't he? Because he, as you said, he, he goes way off the boil, but um, mate, he goes off grid completely, doesn't he? Yeah. For months yeah. on end, he does. Yeah, I thought there was a stretch at the end of last year where he was um, he was in some consistent form, which was pretty unlike him, and some of the price has been 
being quoted about him were really prohibitive in terms of... The last time I remember him, he went nuts on a Sunday. And he was like nine under through the first 12 holes. I don't know if that was at Corrales, you know. And when he hit the top of the leaderboard, although he was like, I don't know, he was like six or seven holes in front of the leaders. And I think he realised at that point, oh, God, oh you know, oh, oh, and all of a sudden the, the birdie stopped and the yeah, pass and the odd bogey threw in and he got a top six finish. But he's that kind of player, Han. I just thought the condition suited him. So I had 200 to 1, eight place each yeah, way. Yeah, that's bet, nice or paddy, I, I got on Han. It's, the, it's the, the James Han kind of winning price, isn't it? That's the, the kind of how he, how he rolls. The one I took from last week, who I've kept patience with, which isn't Graham McDowell, is actually, and this is all based upon the weather forecast, it's actually Adam Hadwin. And last week, I was kept staring at Hadwin, staring at Hadwin, staring at Hadwin, and I kept coming up with reason after reason why I wasn't going to pick him at 33-1. to 1, Which is exactly what I did with Hideki Matsuama the week before. I can't back him, he can't part, this, that and the other, and he won at 16-1. to 1. So in the end, I put Hadwin up. But my distinct fear with Hadwin, and it is borne out on the on the predictor model for our wind variable, is he's not the best wind player. And sure enough, when I checked the round, he, he was in the wrong side of the draw. The Thursday morning, gusting 35 mile an hour side draw, he shot three over because he can't. He's not a great wind player. That's just fact. So if you ever see Adam Hadwin and you fancy him and it's going to be a windy tournament, do not back him. So anyway, I did. But with no wind this week, I really do fancy Hadwin, and he's, he's had, it's feast or famine here, five starts, three missed cuts, all when the wind's been blowing, and then when the wind's laid down, he's had two top ten finishes here, and he does fit the mould, and the numbers that he actually produced at Bermuda were fantastic. He tied four greens in regulation with Russell Knox, tied first. He was also... Um, 16th for fairways hit. So if you actually look at that in terms of he was fourth for total accuracy, which is the fairways and greens combined. He was also 12th for ball striking. And as we know with Adam Hadwin, sneaky, sneaky, sneaky scorer. You know, you just look at any of these, any of these desert golf course events, Hadwin has a fantastic record at Shriners. He was sick there a couple of weeks ago. You look at him at uh, PJ West, where they play the American Express, Express, which was the Humana Challenge, which was the Bob Oak Classic. Fantastic round that golf course. For me, he's always the sort that on a shorter test where you know it's going to be 18 to place an each way bet or 20 under, 22 under to win, Hadwin's the sort I always take a very close look at. And with the wind laying down this week, I think Hadwin's going to go well. And we're seeing this kind of renaissance of international players as the President's Cup starts to build momentum in terms of qualification. I could again see Hadwin, who's been in the international team for the last two President's Cups, starting to pull performances together. I just couldn't turn down at 100 to 1. So yeah, 100 to 1, eight places each way with, with Betfair or Paddy Powell and Adam Hadwin I got yesterday. One of those kind of plotters who can go lights out with the putter. So yeah, Hadwin and Hahn. And I'm peppering, pep, you know, 70 to 1 average winning price of this tournament. I've, 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 taken the, I'm t- I've taken the top of the board out of my thought process whatsoever. 
So I'm just going for players that I really like the look of in terms of they've been driving, they drove the ball well on their last outing, high GIR, and I know that they're sneaky scorers. So Seamus Power. What can you say about Seamus this, this year? One, I've gone 55 to 1 8 place each way again with Betfair, Paddy Power, and Seamus Power. He's had his best ever um, year as a professional golfer. He jumped from a 437th to 113th in the world with three top 10s, two top 20s, and then, of course, Barry, you had the patience to land him when he won the Barbasol Championship. 21 under was his winning score where he beat JT Poston in a playoff. So I just think power. I, I, he's been sneaky good. Um, I think he uh, missed the cut on his first outing of the year. It's not as if he's dining out on the success. He's then finished 21st at the Shriners. And again, 12th place last week at the Bermuda Championship. Now, if you just said to me, Seamus Power doing well in a windswept golf tournament where 12 under, 14 under was almost winning, I'd have said, that's not really Power's game. Power, he likes an 18 under, a 20 under, a 22 under. That's the tournament that Seamus Power likes. And I just liked his numbers from last week. He was um, very straight off the tee, 12th for driving accuracy. He was 14th for greens in regulation. So that actually came through. Listen to these numbers. First for total driving, 8th for ac total accuracy, and first for ball striking, Seamus Power last week. He's had a couple of top 10s at Corrales on Paspalum. And actually, when he came here, which I think was only his fourth ever PGA Tour event way back in 2016, it was one of those renewals here where there was no wind and he shot 68, 66, 64 and he was in fourth spot going into Sunday. So yeah, Seamus Power for me. I think if he's in fourth spot in 2021 as opposed to 2016 when he was a tour rookie in experience, you could see him hanging around and potentially winning. So love Seamus Power, 55 to 1. And then I've, I've nailed this 50 to 1 spot I've gone 50 to 1 on Joaquin Neiman. I've gone 50 to 1 with Maverick McNeely. And I've gone 50 to 1 with Russell Henley. Who are those kind of, I think for me, short course plotters, been finding something recently. I mean, Henley's numbers are outstanding. When he played the CJ Cup the other day, he was 25th. But he was, let me just scroll down. He was 17th for total driving, 1st for total accuracy, 6th for ball striking, and he was 2nd uh, for greens in regulation behind Ricky Fowler. So love Henley. He's won the, at the Sony Open, has a good record by the coast, RSM Classic, all the tournaments you'd want to hear. Good at Kapalua as well. He's had a third there. The only thing that might derail Henley is he doesn't seem to... I mean, it's always his putting, isn't it? But if the putter clicks this week, I can't see why he can't putt on Paspalum as opposed to Bermuda because he's a Bermuda-positive player and they seem to carry over. So Henley's due for me. Um, Maverick McNeely, we almost scored on him a few weeks ago at the Fortinet where he finished second. Again, I just think this kind of short course... He's been driving the ball well. He's been hitting, I think he was 7th for greens in regulation in Japan the other week. Finished with a 65-6, uh, 5 under par. He was 12th here last year. And his weekend score 
was second only to Victor Hovland here 12 months ago. So clearly something on the course clicked where he got his head around it, what he needed to do. So 51 on McNeely. And then Wacky Neiman, my favourite Chilean golfer. I prefer Joaquin, you know, still over Mito. But, um, you know, I, I should start the Chilean um, supporters club, I think, for Joaquin and for Mito Pereira. But, yeah, I don't know. You just look, you look at Joaquin, top 30 in the world. He won the Green Buyer at 21 under par. And I just think on golf courses that are short with big greens, I think his... Um, long but quite straight driving, his high GIR game. And this guy can shoot low scores. It, it actually surprised me. You take 20, 20, 20, 21 to date, he shot 25 under par at the season opening Tour of Champions at Kapalua, lost in a playoff to Harris English. Uh, Harris English has won here, so there's, you know, there's, there's some correlation. He then went the week after to the Sony Open at Wireline, he shot 20 under par there and lost by a shot to Kevin Nahr. Kevin Nahr's finished fifth here. And as you know, Kevin Nahr's shorter courses. Again, correlation all the way. You've only got to look at the champions list of the Sony Open and correlate it to here. Johnson, Wagner, Matt, Kuchar. It's all over it. Sony Open and this tournament correlate so closely. And then a couple of months ago up in Detroit, short par 72, large greens. He lost in a playoff to Cameron Davis that week, and he shot 18 under par that week. So he can shoot extremely low scores, wacky Neiman. So I'm on Neiman as well. So just to, to just to finalise mine, Neiman, McNeely, Henley, all at 50 to 1. Seamus Power at 55s. Adam Hadron at 100s. And James Hahn at 200s. Did... Barry, did you have any interest in Seamus Power this week or were you just kind of scanning over him and he was not entering your head whatsoever? Oh, oh absolutely, yeah. He's more than three times the price that he, he won at. Uh, so, yeah, very interesting. Um, and it, it's Those numbers just snuck up on me, but yeah, very... I mean, t- first for total driving and ball striking last week. Yeah, loves a birdie fest. So, yep. yeah, can't couldn't ignore that. Um, I, I'm kind of, yeah... <laughs> straddling the the GBS podcast here because I'm also on GMAC because it just it just makes an awful lot of sense um punching up some some let's say key metrics or things that I think will work this week Kyle Stanley popped up um I didn't dig too much deeper into it it's like the the actual results don't really match the let's say the stats that he's showing but uh at 175 to one i just kind of grabbed a little bit of it and another one from the way outside that i somehow managed to arrive at was martin laird oh 200 to one great great tip yeah i had a very very close look at martin there he was 11 he impressed me the other week uh because he was defending and he was again had a good week didn't he laird yeah, and just digging back into it, um, his record over the years, he seems to have a, he seems to like playing good golf around this time of year, October, November. So, good you know, point, he, yeah. He, he, his record at this tournament is not uh, anything to write home about, but he does have a 13th um, 
out of his four appearances here. So that was enough for me to just say 200 to 1 is nice. Thanks very much. Yeah, that's a good bet on Laird. He was 14th for total driving, 16th for total accuracy, and 9th for ball striking when defending at the Shriners three weeks ago. Uh, just top 20 GIR, yeah. And 11th, yeah. Laird, that's probably the one... I because there was there was a toss up for me G Mac Laird or Han for my two hundred to one price or what that high triple digit yeah Laird lovely no love for uh, Ricky this week Barry I don't know that's to, to be determined and um, definitely like <laughs> outside any regular staking plan just completely emotional backing maybe that's what I'm thinking yeah and it's not um, the odds are not prohibitive thanks to the strength of the field it's not the usual um, punishments the bookies put to Ricky's price still probably a bit shorter than where he should be if he was a another player but um, yeah may have to FOMO <laughs> yeah yeah, but now around the fifty to one mark, it's it kind of fits in with that narrative that Steve was uh, was talking about as well. But when he finished runner up here in twenty seventeen, chaps, he was the ten to one favourite. Got beat by Pat and Kazaya seventy to one. So actually, yeah, what was he with this week? Fifty fives with Bet. Yeah, oh, it's, oh, sorry, I needed to mention this. Bet three six five have gone six places each way. I caught the odds this week. That's a cracking offer. So, you know, if you're if you're the kind of guys that bet with Bet Victor, you only bet regularly at six places a fifth, bet three six five, the full quarter odds, and they've added an extra place this week. Yeah, so this six places and a full quarterly odds, bet three six five at the Mayakoba. Which appears to have popped up overnight Monday into Tuesday. Yeah, it wasn't there yesterday. So, uh, so it's a late decision. Yeah, yeah they've, they've decided to be a bit more aggressive, which is good. Um, and yeah. Uh, yeah, the six and a quarter does make a, a, a big difference if you get a, a, get a yeah. full each-way place out of it. Worthy of note. I think that's that. Is that us for the Mayakoba? Is there another one to add to the mix? No, no, all good, all good. Yeah, let's crack on with the... Uh, the let's move Portugal, to Portugal. The Algarve. The Portugal Masters, yes. Oh, yeah, it's an established, established tournament on the European Tour, isn't it? So <laughs> something to get your teeth stuck into. Yeah, we've got some course form, which is always wow. like, a positive, which uh, doesn't always happen with uh, with the European Tour. But yeah, we're getting towards the business end of the season now as well, aren't we? As the players jostle for position to, to, well, to either make the DP World Tour Championship in a fortnight's time or... Or to save their card, they've got this week, they've got the additional Dubai events next week, um, which is over on the fire course adjacent to the uh, to the earth course um, over there in Dubai. And then, of course, the uh, the cream of the crop will navigate their way over to the earth course um, for the finale in, uh, in a couple of weeks' time. But, uh, I mean, for now, it's just 108 players this week. It's a short field, of course, we're quite late in the year. Um, and uh, daylight is an issue, so um, there aren't that many players who've got a chance to actually uh, find their way through to uh, to Dubai or to uh, to save the card this week. Um, headed by this week, uh, Matt Wallace, who's um, available in places at sixteen to one, generally twelve or fourteen to one. Uh, Laurie Cantor twenty to one, Thomas Peters twenty fives, Beef Johnson's twenty fives as well. Minwoo Lee, who's the uh, the highest ranked race to Dubai player, 
um, out there at the moment, or in this week's field at least. 28 to 1. Uh, Sam Horsfield, 30 to 1. Bob McIntyre, the same price, 30s. Richard Bland, there's a little bit of 33s out there. And 40 to 1 bar those players. So, yeah, not a bad field. Um, and uh, it'll, it'll improve again next week. And, of course, um, it'll be uh, monumental for the Earth course in, in a fortnight's time. Labrooks have gone seven places each way on this event. There are eight places at the Mayakoba as well. So there's some decent yeah. um, each way terms available from Laddies this week. And, of course, um, you can pop over to the site. There's full details of their um, new account offer, Bet5. Get 20 in free bets, full T's and C's on the site should you want to take advantage of their seven places each way on this event or, as I said, eight on the Mayakoba. Um, back to your point, Steve. Yes, 14th consecutive year at Villamora. So um, we've got some course form. There's all of the stats on the site as ever. Um, the track's now known as the Don Pedro Victoria, but it's the same same course that we've seen over the years. The Oceanic, Oceanico Victoria, wasn't it? I think something along those lines <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, that was yeah, old, yeah. old Darren Clark um, TV ads from uh, from back in the day. It's a 7,191-yard par 71. It's a resort course. It's an Arnold Palmer design, flat, exposed affair. Uh, just in, just um, just off the coast, water in play off seven, on seven other holes as well. They try to toughen it up a little bit. It's always been a bit of a birdie fest. They, they, they put some extra trees in. Um, and for, for the 2019 event, they put a new strain of Bermuda rough in as well, um, which had a marginal effect on... on uh, on winning scores, but you're still going to be need to be in the high teens under par, I think, to be in with a sniff on Sunday. It's going to be kind of 16, 18, maybe in close to 20 under, I think, to to really be winning. And, and on a par 71, that means a lot of birdies. Uh, 10 to 15 mile an hour breeze this week's fairly typical for this course. Um, temperatures high 60s, not anything particularly warm. Um, but I think it should be a typically scorable week, really, for the Portugal Masters. Um, let's go back historically just to give you a flavour of the type of players who've won the prizes. Back to 2010, Richard Green won at 18 under. He was a 50 to 1 shot. Tom Lewis, um, 21 under the year after, 100 to 1. That was only something like his fourth start on the European Tour um, back in the day. Shane Lowry won at 14 under. 66 to 1 in 2012. David Lynn, uh, 18 under the year after, 80 to 1. Uh, Alex Levy won at 18 under as well. That was off just two rounds. He was a 70 to 1 shot on that weather affected event in 2014. Um, and then into some deeper prices. Andy, Andy Sullivan won in 2015 at 23 under at 50 to 1. Uh, Paddy Harrington, 23 under again at 100 to 1 the year after. Lucas Berrigard at 20 under. We were on him that year at 66 to 1. Mm, yeah, I remember. Yeah, that was a, a nice, juicy win, that one. I remember mm. that so very well. 2018, Tom Lewis won again at 22 under to 1. 22 under at 50 to 1 um, for his second Portugal Masters win. Stephen Brown won at 17 under, 150 to 1. And then George Kutsaya won last year, 16 under. He was a 16 to 1 shot. So it's only really um George could say last year at 16 to 1 who wasn't in this kind of juicy price bracket of 50 to 1 or above um, and it's always been that kind of a, 
an event that you can get your teeth into with some good each way chances if um, if you can look past the players at the very top of the market. We must have been ripping the hell out of George Coatsy last year at 16 to 1. <laughs> yeah, As a podcast, United going, who the hell would back George Coatsy at 16 to 1? Yeah, well, he'd won what over did gorgeous him. George do? Well, it was a bit of a Sunday in moment, Barry. Yeah, he did. He'd won on the Sunshine Tour um, over the week before, two weeks before. So he'd come in with some some hot form, if you can class it that, from the Sunshine Tour. But yeah, I, I was probably quite disparaging this time last year or September last year about his chances at the price. But uh, yeah, one he did, and it had a, it got a good record here as well. So you could you could easily make make a case for him back, you know, on the back of his recent form at a lower level, and of course his. Uh, his course form here at the uh, at Villamora, but um, yeah, I, I wouldn't have gone anywhere near him and didn't go ne- anywhere near him. And uh, if he wins at sixteen to one, then so be it. Um, in terms of the course itself, accuracy not really crucial here. It's a resort course after all. And um, if you look at the last two winners since they made those tweaks, um, Stephen Brown, George Goodsad, both of them top strokes game putting on the week, and I think. Um, a decent putting performance combined with an aggressive pr- approach is preferable here. I and mean, you're going to have to take on the short par fours. You need to score heavily on the par fives. And you need to put it all together with a decent putting performance. So a bit of, a, a bit of aggression. Hit as many greens as you can and then putt lights out on the, uh, on the dance floors is the order of the day, in my view. Um, some good season forms are good positive, I think, to take into this. Seven of the 11 winners I mentioned had a win or a runner-up finish in the season today prior to winning here. And the last four winners all had a top a top 11 finish or better on their previous start, wherever that may have been heading into this event. And, and course history is generally a positive as well. I mean, George could say, I mentioned he's, he had decent um, course form. He had three top 10s here at Villamora before winning. Uh, Tom Lewis was already a winner. Lucas Beregard, um finished ninth and twelfth in his previous two events. The only one in very recent times who had, didn't have that kind of um, good course form was Stephen Brown, uh, best of forty fourth. Um, but then one hundred and fifty to one, if you could have plucked him out from uh, from relative obscurity, um, then that would have been your reward back in twenty nineteen. Um, and yeah, that, those kind of wins are, are much tougher to uh, tougher to pluck out, aren't they? If you get get your rewards, should you uh, should you manage to to find one of those gems? Anyway, I've boiled it all down. I've backed five. Um, I have gone towards the top of the market for my first well, at the top of the market for my first uh, pick, but the rest of them are in this kind of juicy price point, which I mentioned before. Um, at the top, Matt Wallace. Um, I backed him yesterday at fourteen to one, and Bet three six five promptly pushed him out to sixteen to one in response to my, uh, to my to my preview, which kind of shows you how poorly my uh, tips have been playing recently. But anyway, um, I backed him at fourteens, which will go down the record. There is a little bit of sixteens out there. Should you want to back him now? Yeah, still there at Bet three six five. Yeah, yeah, just to just just to rub it in. Um, I mean, with Matt, for me. He's sitting there 82nd in the race to Dubai. I mean, of course, he's been playing over um, stateside, hasn't he, for much of the year. So he's got an excuse for not being um, towards the top end of the race to Dubai. But he's come back over. He's playing this week. He's playing next week. He wants to be playing in Dubai in a fortnight's time. And to do that, he needs a a good finish this week and or next week. And then um, he'll give himself a chance of 
of getting it over to getting over to the to the earth course and he made it as far as the first playoff event over on the PGA Tour. He finished 111th in the rankings, which wasn't too bad in, in, in you know for an overall season on the PGA Tour. He finished third at the Texas Open, sixth at the Wells Fargo Championship. They're two good PGA Tour finishes. And more recently, 14th at the Shriners, and fourth at the 2020. Oh, sorry, 2020. The Zozo. I can read my own uh, read my own writing. Fourth at the Zozo Championship as well, um, recently. So he's been playing um, much better um, in, in some high 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 grade events recently, and he seems in some positive and confident mood. I think as well, judging by his uh, Instagram in particular, he's been tweaking in some of his uh, swing thoughts and swing processes and uh, that seems to be coming into fruition the last few weeks over on the PGA Tour, um, which bodes well for him. And I think when he's in a positive mood, a positive um, frame of mind, that can be um, can be something that really drives him on. If you look back through his history, his breakthrough on the European Tour came in Portugal at the Open to Portugal back in 2017. Um, we were on in that week, 50 to 1 or thereabouts it was, which was a was a nice win. Um, fourth to the halfway point here in 2018 at Villamora. He finished eighth overall the following year, 2019, on this course. Um, 64th in the world right now. Um, and I guess that's probably one of his big targets over the next few weeks again is to get himself inside that top 50 and um, he's kind of one of these fringy players that kind of hovers around that level um you know just inside the top 50 or just outside it but at 64th currently I think there's a big carrot there for Matt Wallace to uh, to get moving and to, uh, to to get himself um inside that top 50 for year end which if he finishes the season off nicely over here in Europe then um he could get very close or indeed inside that level so I've gone win only four points um, 14 to 1 with uh, Matt Wallace to win this week and um, then the juicier prices Joachim Lagergren um, I've backed at 60 to 1 he loves anything that's even remotely close to the coast and I'll, I'll give him another go he grabbed us that uh, nice each way return at the Dunhill links a few weeks back and um, I think he can go close to, uh, to to winning here or at least rewarding us for an each way place here this week I think and um, Looking back at that, Daniel Links, he got a great record at St Andrews, so that was relatively straightforward to pick him that week. His record is not too shabby either. 17th, um, 14th, 3rd last year um, in this event. Now, if you look at Lucas Beregard, we mentioned him before, he's won both this event and the Dunhill Links. So there's some correlation there potentially between the two sets of results, and that's that's encouraging for a bet on Lagergren. Um, and if we're looking for a decent putter, then these putting stats of late have been really eye-catching as well. First, 19th, 15th for strokes gained putting over his last three starts. He's uh, he's seeing the ball, oh, he's rolling the ball very nicely. He's seen the ball find the bottom of the cup as well, which is good. So, um, Lagergren's in. Um, I've also backed Julian Guerrier at 80-1. to 1. Uh, and similar to Lagergren, he enjoys events that are close to the coast. If you um, if you look at his record over the last few years, you'll find a lot of coastal or, or close to the coast positive performances. Um, longer hitter, um, he led here at halfway back in September last year. Couldn't quite keep it going, but uh, finished eighth overall. That improved on his debut performance of 34th. And he showed a little bit of promise that week as well. He closed with a 65 here on debut. So he's got some good low rounds here to his name from two starts. He was third at the Spanish Open last month. Um, 25th at Valderrama as well. 
that's really not his game, Guerrier. So uh, this is much more to his liking. And I think if he can take this, the, the positivity that he got from his game from those two Spanish events into this week, then 80-1 to 1 could be a nice, juicy price. Um, also back to Renato Paratoria, 66s. I mean, there's another one playing nicely of late. He finished ninth at the Spanish Open. He was fourth heading into Sunday at Valderrama. Uh, it didn't quite happen on the final day at Valderrama. He shot a 75 and uh, finished in a tie for 25th in the end. But the three rounds prior to that were really positive. Um, and again, on a course that doesn't really suit, I don't think. Um, 11th in Mallorca on, the last, uh, on his last start. Again, putting really caught the eye. Sixth, second, second for strokes game putting from those three events in Spain. So really putting nicely at the moment. And um, played four times here. His most recent uh, two starts, 27th and 21st from his last uh, two outings. He's inside the top 10 until Sunday on both of those times. And uh, I think he can build on that. If you look at his most recent win, British Masters, back um, in last year, 2020, it was the British Masters win that he got. Um, he came into that event um, after a week off in the top 15 the previous start, which is exactly where he is right now. So um, perhaps Lightning can strike twice with Renato Paratori at 66s. Um, and the fifth and final, a uh, bit longer price, Pep Angles or Pep Angle at 150 to 1. Um, it's a fairly dismissive price, I think, given that he finished second in Mallorca last time out. And he's got the power again to finish, or to contend here. It's funny, isn't it? You get some of these players who finish well and they get absolutely slaughtered in terms of their price. But um, yeah, 150, I was quite surprised, particularly seeing as he finished 12th here in 2018. Um, he started slowly that week, started with a 70 and then shot 65-65 Friday, Saturday to give himself a, a chance. He was 8th going into Sunday. Didn't quite happen, but he's a bit more accomplished player now. He's, he's won in the Challenge Tour since then. He won last November. Um, he was second on Portuguese soil on the Challenge Tour as well last year. Uh, that was behind Garrick Higo, who's since won twice on the European Tour and also is now a PGA Tour champion. And he finished ahead of defending champion George Gutsea that week as well um, on Portuguese soil. So some good correlation there, I think. Um, and again, that was after a slow start. If he can get a, a quicker start, if he can get out of the blocks a little bit quicker here this week, then I think he can um, contend at 150 to 1. And, well, he can reward each way backers and potentially push on for a, a, a win, which would be uh, very, very welcome at that kind of price. Uh, so just to recap, Pep Angles, 104, Pep Angle, 150 to 1. Renato Paratori, 66s. Julian Guerrier, 80 to 1. Joachim Lagergren, 60 to 1. And at top of the shop, Matt Wallace at 14s, or grab the 16s that's out there and uh, really rub it in for me. Um, who's a win only bet for me this week? Any fancies from you, Barry? <clears throat> Due to my lack of success on European tour for what feels about 12 years, I'm, I'm highly limiting my bets. I do like the fact that the field is shorter this week. So yeah. um, I've had, I've took a, a little bit of uh, Joachim Lagergren um, for all of the reasons you've listed above. Don't need to double down on those at 66. I was able to boost them to 66 to one. Mm. So nice. uh, yeah, yeah, I'll take that. Um, yeah, otherwise, I don't know. I might just hang on and see what happens in running if anybody catches my fancy. 
Yeah, I, see, yeah. I seem to be a little bit out of sync with the European tour. So um, just heed the advice or heed the warnings I'm feeling and just dial it back a little bit. Yeah, I think um, you know, for in play bets, that's not such a bad shout because players who get off to a warm start here, I think you're going to need to keep your foot to the floor in terms of scoring. So, yeah. um, you know, if, if this it is one of these events, isn't it, where you've got to, you're not going to get leaders that come from off the pace. You've got to be on the pace from the outset. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, it is possible to go out there and shoot a, a Friday, Saturday, sixty-two, sixty-one, and and push yourself back into contention, but. If you if you're way off the pace, then you you're going to be struggling to make the cut from the outset. So, so yeah, it's um if if there's something that uh, catches your eye at uh, kind of three four five under after the first day, then that could be the play potentially. What about you, Steve? Same Anyone in, catch your eye? It's the same in Mexico this week. Got to be, I think, winners something crazy. It's in my previews. Like they're they're all in the top ten after round one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The one that the one that I I always say at this time of year OWGR people trying to crack that top fifty Minwoo Lee he's just playing he's he's so close to the gateway isn't he fifty eighth in the world right now Minwoo Lee if he can finish this season strong. Yeah, Scottish okay. Open. I always also get the feeling there's always that linksy element to this. Yeah, it's potentially. You look at yeah. the winners here: Harrington, no, twice. Um, uh, what's the what's the guy's name? Um, total Tom brain Lewis. fading. Pardon? Tom Lewis. Tom Lewis twice. I mean, he he made his name on the links. Didn't he Richard Green's a linksy player. Called Shane Lowry. Yeah, there's a lot of links correlation here. Paddy Harrington. Coatsy weren't too bad on the by the coast either. No. Minwoo Lee, of course, he won the Scottish Open this year, and I, he won it. At, was it nineteen under, something like that? Yeah, that kind of eighteen bad. under. I think I think this is the kind of course that he'll he'll thrive on. Minwoo Lee. Yeah, potentially. I, if, I don't know if you caught the um, the tweet that Ben Coley put out yesterday, but um, well worth a look if you fancy Minwoo Lee because there's a correlation here between um, Lucas Herbert's wins and Minwoo Lee winning um, pretty much immediately afterwards as well um, over the last few years. So um, if you like those kind of uh, quirky trends, then that might be another one to, uh, to, to catch on to. I'd never... I, I, the fact that he finished second at Valderrama... That, that to me shows a, a versatile sort that's clearly going to be a world elite that can actually dumb and dumb it down from the, you know Lucas Herbert's actually just cracked yeah that win this last week he jumped from seventieth to forty third in the world so that's likely going to be a Masters invite for Mister Herbert and Minwoo Lee I wouldn't be surprised if he follows him in good player they've got a cracking crop of of talented players Australia. Young sorts like Smith, Minwoo Lee, and now Herbert. Yeah, an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, we could do it. They should have a good team, the president, international team this year, President to come. They will. I was just about to say we could do it nabbing them for the European team the way things are looking right now, but things can change pretty quickly over a year. So we we Mm. might be in a very different mood about the European team this time next year. Yeah. I think that's us, gentlemen. Indeed. Uh, it's, it's felt so long since our last podcast, but uh, it was very enjoyable. Thank you for your time. I hope your bets go well. Yeah, best of luck, chaps. Good luck, boys. Good luck, listeners. Let's get some wins yeah, this week. 
Yeah, it'd be nice. Best of luck to the listeners, and we will be back again next week. So uh, enjoy your golf betting. See you soon. If you like betting on golf, but everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved with all the stats and the tips and so much more. Cause it's the golf betting system, the golf.